0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Crime and Spirits Podcast, your one-stop shop for spooky stories, handcrafted cocktails, and all things true crime. I'm your host, Bree, and I am your other host, Suze. I'm also the resident bartender here at Crime and Spirits. Because not only do we bring you a new case or topic of interest every week, but we also teach you a little something about mixology along the way. Woohoo! i mix up a drink
1: that ties in in some way with our theme for the week and then walk you through how to make one for
0: yourself so you can sip right along with us we've been friends for years and one of our favorite things to do is mix up something delicious and throw on a true crime documentary which is basically what this podcast has become
1: it is however better research than that we promise cross our hearts (laughs) we also have a script written out that we mostly follow mostly Still, you can expect some tangents here and there. We also managed to find a way to mention criminal minds at least once, if
0: not multiple times per episode. Gotta give Dr. Spencer Reed all the love. Yes, girl. And you also can't forget the cursing because we definitely curse on this show. We try to keep things a little bit more conversational. Think less like Dateline and more like Girls' Night. Just replace the catty gossip with actual facts. And maybe just a little
1: catty gossip. So come hang out with us, learn a little something with us every Sunday, and make sure to join us on Instagram or Facebook at Crime and Spirits Pod. That is the word and. We'd love to chat with you about, I mean, whatever, really, but mostly true crime. So buckle
0: up, buttercups. Sip tight. And let's get on with the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Crime and Spirits Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Bree. And I'm Suess. We are back. It is a brand new year. I don't know about you, girl, but I've been killing it so far. Today it was a great day. Work has been mm-hmm. wild
1: because of the full moon, so all moon. the crazy people have been out and about. But yes. other than that,
0: it's been good so far. It's been pretty great. I've been on vacation, so... keep <laughs> it. I have to go back on Monday, and I'm not thrilled about it, but what are you going to do? I
1: only work four days a week. I really have no reason to <laughs> complain. But the week before New Year's, I worked three doubles in a row, yeah. So I was pretty much like ready to just sleep
0: this whole week, which yeah. is basically what I've
1: done. The weather's been poopy, there hasn't been much to do, so it's like,
0: meh, meh, might as well. <laughs> Mark and I got really lucky for our anniversary this week because we celebrated our 13th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I know, pretty crazy, and it was really spooky down the peninsula, so we had a really great day, so I'm excited. It's good. been a good start to the new year. Heck yeah. We needed it. Yes, I think, we sure did. <laughs> I think you said it perfectly on Saturday. We are going to slowly step yep. into this new year. Nobody
1: proclaim it as your year. No guns ablazing. blazing Yep, let's just all take it calmly, speak softly, <laughs> move quietly, no sudden movements. Take precautions, folks. Don't startle 2023.
0: <laughs> That's the best Moral way Moral of the story. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's going to be great. Hopefully you guys are having a good time so far, and if not, hopefully things get better for you. If you're having a rough day, you came to the perfect place, because we're going to talk about murder and mayhem. Yep, absolutely. And cocktails, (laughs) with a a side of cocktails. Yes. (laughs) So tonight, we are going to be talking about the murder of Angel Melendez. Back in the early 90s, Angel was part of the infamous club kid scene, which unfortunately led to his untimely death. The person responsible for this murder was none other than Michael Alec, the man who basically ran New York City Nightlife at that time. This case is also known sometimes as the club kid murder. No worries if you have no idea what any of this means. You will by the time our episode is over today. My mom was like, what? What are club kids? What are you talking about? And I was like, you're just going to have to wait. Right. For me... Like, I'm not in the drag scene, but I am a fan of drag, and I love the art form of drag, Mm -hmm. so I know who these people are, and I knew what the Club Kids scene was to an extent. I had a lot of name recognition. I
1: have seen um, this particular story has been featured on multiple true crime shows, so I have heard it several different times, So, but there was still a lot of new details to me because a lot of them sort of gloss over some of the darker
0: details which oh yeah we're probably not gonna do right that's just
1: how we roll (laughs) we gotta
0: at least give you a nuance of the situation (laughs) which
1: um leads us to tonight's warning we are going to be talking a lot like a lot about drugs um and all the things that entails addiction bad choices so on and so forth yep um unfortunately drugs did play a huge role in what happened Big. <laughs> yes. Huge. Um, we're also going to be discussing the details of Angel's death and subsequent dismemberment. So, just a heads up, it is going to be a little gruesome at times,
0: but it is a story that needs to be discussed. So, here Absolutely. we are. And we don't go into like crazy detail. If you've listened to us for a while, you already know that we try to give you all of the information without going into like an unnecessary amount of gory detail. Right. So, it shouldn't be too terrible. You know, those of you who guys have listened to us for a while now, you already know, but just in case this is your first time joining us, hey, welcome. And please know that Susan and I go into this podcast with nothing but respect and good intentions. We may joke around here and there. It's mostly a coping mechanism, guys. Absolutely. (laughs) Ultimately, we're just here to share and discuss what we've learned about these cases and hang out with you for a little bit.
1: Plus, we love to teach you guys how to make fantastic cocktails. Yes. These topics can be rough, and often we even need the buffer of a little bit of liquid courage to get through it. (laughs) So make sure you're following the pod on social media. Um, There you will catch all the details about the drinks, the ingredients,
0: and the cases that we will be covering. So just keep an eye out. For sure. And if you want to follow us personally, stick around at the end and we'll let you know where to find us. Now, let's get to the drink making. The
1: the semi-important part. It's pretty important. It is. Um, So, obviously, this week we're chatting club kids and the murder of Angel Melendez. It is a crazy story and one that is just sad all around because despite the parties and the media coverage and the fanciful outfits and the cool names everybody had, um, there was a very dark undercurrent moving through the club kids and that was drugs. Yes. From what I could find in my research, um, it was limited to any and all and all the time. <laughs> yes, they did not care. Just yeah. give me all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it never seemed to end or be enough. Um, but this is a, drugs. Drugs are a hell of a drug, y'all.
0: <laughs> exactly that though, because once it, you guys will see once we get to dig, dig into things like, it once it started it moves so fast. It was. It was like a
1: forest fire or
0: something. Yes. It just
1: completely engulfed
0: everything in its path. That's a perfect analogy for it, <laughs> honestly. Terri- that's
1: a terrifying thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm researching for drinks, I think I've told you guys, but if it's your first time here, I usually have an idea or an ingredient that I focus on. In this case, I wanted a white drink. Um, our victim was known for his signature angel wings. In fact, that's where he got his nickname. Angel is not his given name. Um, it just so happens that everyone in this story loved drugs, as I mentioned, which also have a lot of fun, intriguing (laughs) nicknames. Um, so besides the hard partying aspect, I wanted to make a white martini. No cocaine involved in this martini, (laughs) just, just alcohol. Um, it turns out a lot of drugs are white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that white lady is actually just one of the many slang
0: terms for cocaine. And it is based on its appearance. That's interesting. That makes sense. And cocaine was probably like one of the top three drug choices. Because it keeps you up. Of the early 90s. All the time. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> Don't sleep. You can get so much done. So much partying. Um, other slang names include Peruvian lady, Inca message, big flake. Oh icing big flake i know paradise white pearl snow cone snowflake and my Mm. personal favorite white mosquito (laughs) stop it i Uh was like huh so is this
0: the white mosquito no this is the white lady martini
1: (laughs) Um, i like that better (laughs) i i just sounded kind of fancy Mm. so it's a good name i think for martini you can make all the time don't go out asking for a white lady martini maybe i guess but definitely try it at home (laughs) Um, I've actually made this drink once before. It was for the Rose Bowl. Mm. My friends um, and I are Penn State fans, and my friend Kira suggested maybe a white drink and a blue drink. So that's Thanks. what got me on the path, and then I was like, white drink, angel, angel wings. It's all coming together. <laughs> so I like it. I usually Google stuff on Pinterest to find a recipe, and then I change it to fit what i want it to fit yeah that's i get a starting point on pinterest and then i wind up with whatever i come pinterest up with
0: is great for like getting those creative vibes mm-hmm. flowing because
1: i'm like oh my gosh that's such a good idea like mm-hmm. for this one for instance you're going to need coconut rum whipped vodka plain half and half pineapple juice and if you want you can rim the glass and shredded coconut and um honey which I did. It looks it's delicious. Really pretty. Um, we're using Admiral Nelson's coconut rum. You can use Malibu if you so desire. Admiral Nelson's just
0: happened to be on sale when I was at the liquor <laughs>
1: store. So here we are. It is delicious. I'm not going to lie, but I do love a
0: good deal. I just love Admiral Nelson is hanging out with Captain Morgan. Mm-hmm. I yep. just, it, it tickles me. I know. No I'm end. sure
1: there's a story, but I haven't looked into Admiral mm, Nelson's background. We
0: should. I'll get on that <laughs> at some
1: point. Um, we're using Pinnacle Whipped Vodka, mostly because we love it, but also, I don't know that I've ever seen another whipped cream vodka. I feel like Pinnacle, like, it's it, They have it's the lock whipped. on it. It's mm-hmm. whipped vodka. That's what, <laughs> what you get when you think whipped is that's Pinnacle. That's what I, yeah. Right? That's what I think. Um, plain Half and Half, you can get anywhere, along with the pineapple juice. I got my pineapple juice at GFS. This is not yeah. an ad. They just have the most random deals on the most random things. They really do. Because it's, it's mostly a bulk store. You think giant yeah. 47,000 like ounce cans of ketchup. Intended they, to be like a restaurant supplier, right? Yeah, the... but they do sell like a single loaf of bread. In this case, like a human amount of pineapple juice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was way cheaper than getting in a giant eagle. So, Chine Eagle is fucking expensive. Yes. Well, anywhere, honestly, top Chine yes. Eagle. I was like, shout out GFS. This ain't an ad, but wink, wink. <laughs> if you like what you hear, we do need some supplies. <laughs> um. Now, okay, so to make the martini. If you want to rim your glass with the honey and the shredded coconut, chill it first. I put ours in the freezer. Mm. And then I rimmed the glass while it was cold. That seemed to work because the honey wasn't quite so, like sticky and all over the place yeah probably stuck to the glass a lot Mm, better it did um and then if you don't want the coconut you can just chill it in the freezer anyways because you want a cold glass for your cold liquid oh well always you want it chilled come on now (laughs) um so you take your trusty shaker tin you want to add one and a half ounces of the coconut rum one and a half ounces of the whipped vodka one ounce of the half and half and just a splash of pineapple juice okay if you want to add more you can it will give it a yellowish tinge in this instance, it literally looks white to yeah. my eye. Probably not pure white, but it's it's a white martini. Um, again, adjust it if you want. Whatever floats your boat. It's your drink. You're drinking it. If you want more or less of something, feel free. No judgments here.
0: <laughs> Martinis are bulk like alcohol mm-hmm. so if you want something that's more like cocktail-ish in the sense that like you want more mixer you just have to add well, more you, mixer you right could add,
1: absolutely and you could honestly put this over the rocks you could do it as a shot you would just need to adjust quantities dependent mm-hmm. on your glassware because we did do it as a shot it tasted just fine as a shot you um, do be mixing us up some mm-hmm. really
0: delicious shots
1: sometimes just for the hell of it so once it's all in your shaker tin just shake it up About 30 seconds until it's well combined and very chilled and then strain it directly into your martini glass and you are ready to sip. Oh. It's good, right?
0: Okay, so like... It almost tastes like what I imagine suntan lotion to taste like, but like in a good way. But like in a way you know that's something mean? you want to drink and yes, not. <laughs> like it doesn't have like a chemical taste right. to it. It's like, oh, this is what that decadent mm-hmm. smell is supposed to be. Um, it's way less coconutty than I thought it was going to be, honestly. I and
1: I don't know if it's because the coconut. I think Admiral Nelson's is a spiced rum, but I'm not sure if the
0: coconut rum is also spiced. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure. It doesn't taste like it's spiced mm. for what it's worth. It were. tastes really good. Mm-hmm. And it's really smooth and kind of creamy. The half and really half, delicious. I was just going to say, I feel mm-hmm. like is a really good choice for this one because it just makes it smooth and creamy, like you Absolutely. said. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And if you want to use a flavored half and half, feel free, but I can't mm-hmm. imagine
0: a flavored one mm-hmm. would go good with this. I, if you do flavored, I would leave out the juice, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I can't imagine the pineapple would taste very good with, like, a vanilla creamer. It's just... That would... I think that would just overpower everything I else. I knew somebody but once upon a time, time that would straight just drink, like, coffee me out of the container, which I was like... I'm not judging you, but I was kind of... Like, I or was very fando. surprised. My friend uses it on his cereal. I mean, I guess if you <laughs> like what you like, like, who am I to judge, like... To, for me, it's just way too sweet. I'm having an issue with creamers right now, so I'm biased. I can't find one that I like. I can't find one that's, like, not sweet but still is flavorful. I'm having a moment. I've
1: been cutting my coffee with a little dash. of have creme brulee coffee mate, and then I'll put unflavored almond oh. milk in to give it the milkiness but without all the yeah. sugariness.
0: I've been using vanilla soy milk. That's a good idea, It's too. just been my go-to lately. Mm-hmm. Probably going to have to have somebody make me a cinnamon brown sugar simple syrup maybe. Yeah. To and put I, that in there. Mike could do that. Oh, <laughs> alrighty. Are we ready, folks? Ready as we're ever going to be. Alrighty. So first things first, we need to talk about the Club Kid movement and New York City nightlife as a whole. You can't tell the story of Angel and Michael without this. It's such a huge component. And it's very interesting, too i just think this is
1: such a wild time for nightlife in new york city like to be alive and witnessing this i would have been like what in the fuck is happening (laughs) honest to
0: goodness yes what it's it's very that that was the whole vibe now before there were club kids andy warhol was the king of the party scene in 1963 warhol opened his first studio the factory And it quickly became known for being the hip hangout for creative celebrities and Warhol superstars, which I didn't know those were a thing. Mm -hmm. And in case you don't either, it's (laughs) nothing more than a clip of New York City personalities that that they were promoted by Warhol throughout the 60s and 70s. They appeared in his artwork. They were basically his entourage. Mm -hmm. They just went with him everywhere. I like to think he thought they were muses, but they
1: were mostly just like blood-sucking vampires, I feel, because they were latched on, like, leached on yes. with that fame that he was providing them. Because mm-hmm. from what I saw, like, a lot of them didn't have, like, discernible talent.
0: They were... I feel like these were the original Kardashians. Mm-hmm. They were famous for being personalities. They were pretty and they had personalities. That's mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> and, like, interestingly enough, one of the earliest club kids, James Clark, a.k.a. James St. James, which, if you are familiar with the current drag scene... That is a name that you should recognize. That name should speak out, yep. <laughs> he actually moved to New York with the hopes of becoming the next Warhol superstar. This did not work out for him. However, he did ingratiate himself into the club scene. This is where James meets Michael... A college dropout working as a busboy at Danceteria. I always say that one wrong. It's I want to say it like
1: cafeteria because that's how it looks on, yes. like, in print. <laughs> I
0: literally Google, like, had Google pronounce this for me. Anyways, it's one of the big bars of the time. Nightclubs, rather. He was working there as a busboy. He was trying to make a name for himself as a party promoter. And this is where Michael began to study the nightclub business. And he would start his journey as a professional partier. Fucking hilarious. Honestly, what? a dream.
1: I mean, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> um, so at first, Michael was not actually that well received. But that did not stop him or even slow him down. He was determined to make this a thing. This is what initially drew James St. James in, was Michael's promotional skills and his bombastic personality. It was just a really heady mix. Mix it with the 80s in New York City, like I can only imagine. Oh, God. All the things. Oh, crazy. Um, the two began to work together, and thus the Club Kid movement was born. The group would go on to include people like RuPaul, I don't know if you've ever heard of RuPaul, um, Amanda Lepore, and many others who eventually went on to make big names for themselves, some bigger than others. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at its core, the club kids was a bunch of misfits just really trying to find a space for themselves to safely exist. A lot of these kids were grew up in... Like the Indiana, Midwest. they were gay, or too loud, or too outspoken, too avant-garde yep. for South Bend, Indiana, to or Saginaw, Michigan.
0: Any word that kind of puts you outside of the little box that people who are more conservative in the way they live their life right. would prefer. Right. So, they all flocked to New York City,
1: and they all flocked to this movement. Um, when Andy Warhol wound up passing away, it actually gave the club kids the opportunity to just sort of create their safe space and make it big (laughs) they moved right in (laughs) they sure did um in an interview michael did sometime after the fact he spoke to how the club kids came to be quote we were all going to become warhol superstars and move into the factory the funny thing was that everybody had the same idea not to dress up but to make fun of people who dressed up we changed our names like they did and we dressed up in outrageously crazy outfits in order to be a satire of them only we ended up becoming what we were satirizing,
0: which that- I think is a very powerful quote because, mm-hmm. like, wow, at least he recognized it. It's I wild. watched a couple different things of him doing interviews. I have over the years, but I did, did like a rewatch for a refresh. And the way he talks about it is off putting in a way because he is very self aware, mm-hmm. but I think that that also is somebody who went through the kind of drug problem that he had. I think that going through any kind of intense therapy or any kind of trauma, when you come out on the other side of that, you you are just more aware. Right. And you can talk about those things, matter of fact. It's... It's off-putting, though.
1: It was just sort of, I was like, wow, he seems, like, so, like, dead to it. Like, he's aware, but,
0: like, yeah, this is what happened. Yes, Mm -hmm. very much that. And I think that you're right. Like, that's a very powerful statement. And I think speaks to a lot of Mm -hmm. people and things and movements and such. And this all makes sense, considering that the group was notorious for their crazy costumes and their outrageous behavior. They were known as artistic and fashion-conscious. The club kids were a definitive force in New York City's underground club culture, they became the darlings of the club scene. That is a direct quote from Michael Alec. Their whole job was, quote, to just show up and bring a lot of fabulousness to the mix. Truly, like, the original kind of Kardashian vibes. Mm -hmm. Like, people were so enamored by Michael and his personality and what he brought to the table. Because they said he was a very, like... You
1: wanted to know him. You mm-hmm. wanted to be near him. You wanted to just be in his, like, satellite. Yes. Like, he was that powerful He was magnetic. hmm mm-hmm.
0: And he sure did run with that. <laughs> Michael Musto wrote that, quote, it was a statement of individuality and sexuality which ran the gamut and it was a form of tapping into an inner fabulousness within themselves and bringing it out, which I also think is a very powerful kind of summarization like empowering, of the kind of Like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. in this
1: respect, I see why it was so
0: attractive. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I agree. He also, however, wrote at one point that they, quote, were terminally superficial, <laughs> have dubious aesthetic <laughs> values, and are master manipulators, exporters, and, thank God, partiers. <laughs> and, oh boy, were they ever oh, partiers. <laughs> Michael's events in the beginning were small, but they were memorable. And this is what helped him make his name in the city. One of his very first parties took place at the club tunnel. This is wild, (laughs) y'all. I was, like, reading an article and I was like, the
1: fuck? Like, I had to (laughs) go back and read it about four times before I could even form it into, like, bullet points for Brie.
0: And honestly, that is every single one of these, like, (laughs) kinds of parties. True. Its theme was consumer hell. And it it was intended to be a satire of the idea of conspiracy pecious american consumption which just think the 80s yeah well like more, right?
1: more bigger more better
0: <laughs> they had tv commercials playing on video screens throughout the clubs michael had paid for 10 shopping carts i guess to just be kind of like strewn about as like they a like had to
1: drive them in from new jersey i yes. think and he just like parked them in corners and people would
0: sit in them or drive them around like just for fun I mean, could you imagine, though, being, like, hopped up in a nightclub in your, like, late teens, early 20s? Because nobody is of age (laughs) initially when they get into the club scene in New York City, especially during this time. I think that I read an article. um, A guy was, it was like a memoir, Mm -hmm. kind of blog-style thing. He was recalling the time he actually met Michael Alec for the first time. They were going to this club called Area. And this club closed down every three months or so and had a complete re like Oh, like construction they just crew, and everything? Like, literally everything. Like to a whole fit new a theme. Yes. And they went to this one. He had pictures on this blog. It was a uh, faith theme. Oh, so no. everything was really religious. So on oh, their opening no. night, he met Michael Alec on opening night, and they went to this club. And he said that as he was getting out of the cab and, like, on the sidewalk in between the cab and the door of the club, he looked down the block, and there was a man on a crucifix being carried into the club. (laughs) Like, this is the kind of, like, spectacle shit. And, like, you walked in, and it was, like, this whole immersive experience, which, honestly, sounds cool as fuck. (laughs) Maybe once. Probably not on drugs, but yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) I think that the idea of it is really neat. Yes. They went through... One thing I will give everybody in this story credit for is that they really did work hard to create like these interesting environments, at least in the beginning. Yes. I get the idea behind it now. This sounds (laughs) super cool. This sounds great, right? Mm -hmm. So, not only was the club overdone with all sorts of craziness, Michael himself often dressed the theme, as did the party guests. I love a good theme. Right? He wore a hat made of uh, from an Oreo box, and he had fruit lip earrings. I love it. Party goers arrived in things like dresses made from plastic wrap that were stuffed with Cheerios and shit. <laughs> in case we didn't mention it, this movement was very DIY. Like is, a lot of
1: it, literally looked like the pictures that I saw. I was like, they made that out of scotch tape and cardboard and some yes. acrylic
0: paint. Like before they went that hat, out.
1: or they painted it on their face, or you know, whatever.
0: Which I think really lent to the crazy aesthetics because, like. Two hours into the night, that shit was not on your body anymore. Oh, so you had I'm like sure. half makeup done and you like half an outfit on, because mm-hmm. <laughs> like it always thinks about Halloween. Shit gets to right pulled but also, off halfway through. If it's made of an Oreo box, I'm like, okay, see you later, bye. Right, I don't need to worry. It was a whole vibe, and honestly, this was only the beginning.
1: Um. So as the group's influence started to grow and grow and grow, Michael was actually able to begin working for larger venues in like a better capacity because he had been working at. Yeah, whatever that one is. Yeah. Um, An area, but like his role became more. Um, they were soon able to put themselves on Peter Gatian's radar. He owned a few of the most prominent clubs in New York City at the time. Michael's tactics for drawing in a crowd to these larger venues took a weird and... Hilarious term, in my opinion. The videos from
0: this is wild. He
1: began to hold guerrilla-style outlaw parties. That's what they were called, was outlaw parties. Um, (laughs) Where Michael and his pals or his entourage would choose a random location. Just for an example, the ones listed in my research, an ATM vestibule, a subway station, the lobby at a Burger King. Because why not?
0: (laughs) Do you know how mad I got watching that video? I looked at Mark, and I was like, these poor Burger King employees. They were probably just like, mm-hmm. Do you know how pissed I would have been if somebody rolled up to my Starbucks and was like, we're going to trash your lobby and throw a fucking drug party in here. Yeah. Like, the hell you are. No. <laughs> so,
1: literally, no place was off limits. Um, one time, and this, it's a story that I think that he told. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Mm. I don't know if it's true. I fucking hope it's true, because it's crazy. <laughs> um, Michael threw a party in a shanty tent. He literally rented the cardboard fixtures and homes from their inhabitants. He wound up paying them off in cash and crack cocaine for their troubles for being displaced. I don't even know that they were displaced. I just think they had to like go stand on the fringes. Right, like they, they were They couldn't be in their houses. A part of yeah, they weren't a part of the outlaw party. The yeah. Hilarious. The houses
0: were I think to, meant to setting be where you were partying. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the club kids would just hijack their chosen location, blast music from a boombox. Dance their asses off, and do a bunch of drugs, all until the NYPD showed up and shut it down. And then they'd be like, "Hey, you guys, you know what would be such a good idea? Let's go to this club area that's like right next door." Oh my
0: God, that's crazy! Because those, those clubs
1: were originally the targets, but they had to get people hype for it somehow, other mm-hmm. than just showing up. So they would throw these outlaw things get people all wound up and then be like, come to this club, do more drugs, drink more drinks. (laughs) Whee! I
0: feel like you can't
1: always have an
0: outrageous, like, theme... Michael's resources were limited in the beginning until he got on Gation's like payroll. It right. wasn't really until then that he was like making any kind of like real money. From right. what I was able, I to think he tell. was mostly.
1: I think that's part of why it was DIY. Yeah, it was just sort of like, what can we cobble together to make this awesome? Oh, for and sure. they threw some awesome parties, but like, like you said be pissed as fuck if somebody oh like god. rolled into Charlie's and was like dudes 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 with a boombox like doing yeah. somersaults and shit.
0: Y'all yeah, remember boomboxes though? Aww.
1: I just think it back then it was a piece of furniture I like it took like you,
0: you could lift it but you might need some People help. People had to like like bench press boomboxes. Mm-hmm.
1: Memories.
0: <laughs> How many D batteries did those
1: bitches take?
0: Oh my god like five <laughs> like and a half packs. Feel, yes. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I love it. Alright now at this point, drugs were very obviously part of the scene, but they hadn't overrun it quite yet. Oddly enough, before Michael was a promoter and early on in his promoting days, he was pretty anti-drug. Huh. He was fine to be around it, but he did not like it when like, his boyfriend would do cocaine. According to his own writing, he began going down the drug rabbit hole when he found his boyfriend's stash one night and did some coke right in front of him as kind of like a I'll show you kind of thing. I bet the boyfriend was like,
1: "Yeah."
0: If I remember correctly, (laughs) Michael said that he just snorted like a big like Mm -hmm. like (gasps) of it pretty much, and (laughs) he was like, "So now what? Look at what your addiction did. Now I do cocaine." And then he said, "That's all it like took." Yep, that checks out. Game over. When ecstasy burst onto the scene, Michael couldn't resist, along with everyone else. He said that, quote, it was different. It was synthetic. It wasn't bad for you. It was good for you. No. Which I think it, it's such an interesting kind of snapshot, though, of the way that people looked at drugs. Because think about it. Cocaine was something that could be laced with anything. Right. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know what like is going on with it. At the time ecstasy it, it came out of a, it came out of a lab. It was something that was like produced in a different way I
1: feel as though the 80s are part of why that was a thing. everybody I agree. thought that like synthetic is better yes. polyester or what cotton mm-hmm. is garbage. you know what I mean?
0: I agree. <laughs> I just thought it was so interesting that he even that same mindset carried over to like the drugs people were doing. <laughs> so this was the beginning of a very slippery slope for the club kids. Because soon enough, drugs like heroin, Special K, and Rohypnol came into play and caused the club scene to take a dark and dramatic turn. Drugs started becoming synonymous with the club kids' scenes and the club kids in general. Michael had the club put dealers, who were also club kids, on the payroll, so there was always something available for purchase. They
1: would pay drug dealers to come into clubs to sell drugs
0: to patrons. Right. Just
1: think about that horrible cycle
0: wild (laughs) it was a wild wild world in new york city in the early 90s (laughs) like crazy and you know before we know it the club kids went from being a group of smart creative outcasts to full-blown drug addicts like Like, that like
1: whoa like yeah
0: like i said when i said any
1: all and all the time like i was not fucking around everything that i read i was like how did these people
0: live I, how's your brain just not a mush ball in your skull, you know what I mean? Like, dear Lord. I think it's interesting, too, to make that point because, like you said, Michael was very aware mm-hmm. of what had happened in his time, like, his experiences during this time. And that's a really great question. Like, how the fuck, bro, were you, even after being clean for however long that lasted, yeah. he... I, it, it was a lot of drugs, you guys. We're not even exaggerating. Well, and these are
1: not like I'm gonna smoke some pot and have a beer. This mm. is like holy fuck. This is like drug drugs. Like, right. I and, and I know that's a stupid, weird distinction to make, but no, this is like I agree. Fuck you up, kind of shit.
0: Because I feel like there's not a lot of like moderation that can be done with those kinds of drugs. Like some people have addictive personalities; they can't do any sort of anything. But like most most people are able to have. A beer and smoke a joint and be fine and not be wildly addicted right this I'm, was not that not
1: <laughs> not even remotely even a little bit how they were functioning <laughs> and standing upright is just what my wonder is you are. You know what i mean <laughs> i real? read the list and i was like what <laughs> wow. i would just be like a potato on the ground like any, <laughs> any one of them so
0: many questions
1: Woo! Um, So, obviously, because of the drugs, Michael's behavior became even more outrageous. He would sometimes just throw $100 bills onto crowded dance floors so he could watch people fight over the money. Rude. I just can see him laughing maniacally from, like, the DJ booth, and I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. Right. (laughs) Um, Other times, mm -mm, he would urinate on club goers and even possibly sometimes into their drinks. Despite all this, the Club Kids' notoriety continued to grow. They even traveled around the U.S. for a time, quote-unquote, certifying new clubs. (laughs) I love it. (sighs) That's hilarious. Like, the Club Kids' stamp of approval. I'm like, yay. In, like you know, Buffalo or like Erie Pennsylvania Idaho. or yeah. yeah somewhere in fucking Idaho. <laughs> um, they basically just had to throw crazy parties and recruit new members wherever they went. They became so famous that the core group of club kids appeared on talk shows like Geraldo, the Joan Rivers show and the Phil Donahue show. Which, those are hilarious if you watch those segments. Have you you seen the clips? I watched the Phil Donahue one, and Mm, I was just like... I watched the Geraldo one. They all had, like, clown faces on and, like, crazy hats and weird outfits, and everybody was yelling, and I was like, what's happening right now? Because they're all fucking high. Well, and they they had the audience ask questions, so it was like, Karen from iowa was like well i can't believe you're doing this to our children and they
0: started yelling back and it was just like a well because i mean think about like if you take a temperature of our country at the time like if we think we're having struggles now it was even worse in the late 80s early 90s like put shit in perspective for you a little bit when you watch this kind of stuff right
1: Um, throughout all of these shenanigans, Michael's drug use kept increasing. Um, he was consistently way too high for life, and people were actually beginning to really wonder about him and his mindset, um, especially after the quote-unquote blood feast-themed party Michael had thrown. It looked exactly how you think it would with Mm -hmm. a name like that. Um, This party really gave people an insight into Michael that was
0: unfortunately not taken very seriously. I'm pretty sure this was one of his later parties, and we'll touch more on Mm -hmm. it a little bit later. But it was kind of towards, like, the end of things, if you will, the end of the era, and holy shit. (laughs) I can only imagine. (laughs) So all of this brings us to Angel. He was born uh, Andre. Melendez on May 1st, 1971. His family had immigrated from Colombia when he was eight years old. Angel got introduced to the scene through Peter Gation in the early 90s. This is purportedly when he became a drug dealer and he began working regularly in Gation's clubs. He was an active member of the club kids. He had his signature outfit and everything. Susan already mentioned his giant feathered wings, but he also always wore a captain's hat and nine times out of ten had like giant platforms. Aww, and fun. I love the
1: angel wings though. I oh, think that's such a cool It was thing. such
0: a cool look. That's so
1: like signature. Yes. You know what I mean? I love it.
0: And it was such a I think it was an interesting kind of play on the fact that they were literally in such a hedonistic Environments and the fact that Angel was a drug dealer, mm-hmm. like it, the whole thing. Like you can get just really think meta it's with wild it. to
1: be like, oh, I'm looking for the angel that sells drugs. Like what?
0: That's crazy. I think it's it's obviously not cool, but like, no, I know. But okay, I get it. You're that a was brand. A hella you're brand- marketing. Yes, you're branded, sir. <laughs> yes. yes, sir. Some major marketing skills, right there, mm-hmm. my dude. <laughs> so. Angel was... Oh, I already did that part. (laughs) Michael had befriended Angel, and he brought him into a social circle. Despite looking down on him, he didn't really care for, like, the crowd he ran with beforehand, from what I understand. That was literally it. Angel was absolutely enamored with Michael, and Michael loved the fact that he now had an unending supply of drugs available to him. Again, any, all, all the time. (laughs) And it was a very one-sided friendship. Mm -hmm. And Angel didn't care though he he like i said enamored with michael loved this lifestyle wanted to be within his circle at all times i could see how that would
1: be because like we said earlier this was a band of misfits yep so i could see how that would be enticing to somebody who didn't really fit in until now yeah
0: like at least they like me right exactly i have something that they want and that's what keeps me around but i'm still around so fucking sad. sad yes Angel would often crash at Michael's place. Despite having an apartment of his own, he would constantly give Michael free drugs, seemingly in exchange for his time and attention. Mm. However, that shit gets old, and it gets old fast. So fast. Angel was kind of beginning to feel used by Michael, but wasn't really doing much about it. But there was harboring of negative feelings kind of It happening. was building up. Yep. Under pressure. And then one fateful night, Angel was not allowed into the clubs. You see, guys... Things were finally catching up to our friends here in the club
1: kids scene. The Limelight had actually gotten into some trouble with the police. Um, Peter Gation was knowingly allowing the sale of drugs at all of his clubs, and the feds were not cool with that. No, ma'am. One night, they had gotten a tip that the feds were planning to bust about 30 dealers at the Limelight on a particular Saturday. With that news, Gation made the decision to no longer allow the dealers inside, at the very least just for that night, but still, like, mm, that would be a big snub in your booty mm-hmm. if you were expecting to, A, make money, and B, be seen, Correct. you know what I mean? yeah. Um, so this did include Angel in that net of dealers. Um, Michael said that on any other night he would have been able to override the decision, but this time he literally could do nothing. His hands were tied, and Angel was turned away at the door. According to Michael, because Michael has his own narrative (laughs) throughout all of this, because of course he does.
0: I think that this is a situation where he may get his wires crossed and there's a trickle of truth in everything Mm -hmm. he says. Oh, I think there's definitely a grain
1: of truth. Take
0: everything with a grain of salt. grain of salt, for sure. Um,
1: According to Michael, he had called all of the dealers beforehand and told them all to stay home. But Angel didn't and tried to get into the club anyways to show off for his friends. Like, look at my flex.
0: Yeah. I know, Michael. I'm still going to get in. Exactly. Doesn't matter that I was... I mean, and he may not have been told anything, but either way... Right. Angel showed up. Um,
1: Of course, he was super pissed about not being let in. Angel had missed out on a shit ton of money that night, again, and he was humiliated because you don't get turned away. Right. Come on now. Not
0: when you're, like, Michael Alex, like, BFF. Right. Slash... Best drug dealer. He was something. <laughs>
1: BDD. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Um, so Angel sort of left feeling written off in the moment, and he showed up at Michael's apartment sometime between 9 and 10 a.m. on March 17, 1996, he started demanding that michael take him to peter's house or to the club so that he could get the money
0: that he was rightfully owed which i'd read a figure that he was supposed to he break in like anywhere between 12 to 1500 dollars that night mm-hmm. like and that's in the early 90s like right. early to mid 90s that's a lot of money i mean
1: i would love to make 1500 dollars in a night i'm not going to sell drugs to do it <laughs> well, no. But like wouldn't that be cool
0: but i would also be very pissed if I was missing out on $1,500. Well, I
1: feel as though living in New York City was not cheap even then. Right. It's, it's never even been less cheap. so now. Yeah. But, like, it, it was not then. So, like, I've, I've got to live. I need to buy more drugs. Right. I need a roof, I guess. Like, you
0: know. I need to pay for this place I never stay in. Right. Oh, no. Now, there are a couple of different versions of events, which we'll go over in just a moment. Keep in mind that all the players in this scene here were addicts and they were either really, really fucking high or they were just coming off a really fucking crazy bender. I actually can't decide which one is
1: worse in this scenario because both sound
0: like they're going to fucking suck. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) I think either way you slice it, not great. What we do know... Is that a fight ensued between Michael and Angel, that Freeze, aka well, I guess Robert Riggs, aka as Freeze. I just wrote <laughs> him as
1: Freeze in all my research. It's just that's
0: a badass. At, right? Nickname. I love it.
1: I wanna know why he was called Freeze. It
0: fits so perfectly for like the Club Kid movement yes, and all absolutely. that jazz. So he joined in after the argument had already started. We know that a scuffle took place that resulted in Freeze hitting Angel in the head with a hammer one to three times this knocked angel to the ground and at this point michael strangled him to death before we go further let's go over the different scenarios cuz they're ever they're very similar they're we, just different enough though where i'm like hmm right and two of them are as told by michael Which I think I noted where we got the information.
1: So, the first one is an article that I read and I found very intriguing. It's for the New York Post, but it was actually written by Michael Alec himself. It was a good read. Which I found intriguing. So, first things first. Angel shows up to the apartment demanding money. Okay, we know that to be factual. Two. Freeze begins mocking Angel, specifically poking fun at Angel's captain's hat. He says, quote, we only let you hang out with us because you have drugs, end quote. That would hurt.
0: Yeah, for real.
1: Next up, Angel asks Michael, are you going to let him speak to me like that? Next, quote, there was a scuffle and I went flying through a glass china cabinet. A large piece of glass pierced my back and blood spurted everywhere, end quote. Ugh. Angel apparently begins to bite Michael. Freeze comes out and has to pull Angel off of Michael. Freeze luckily finds a hammer on a nearby table, and he hits Angel with the wooden handle repeatedly. Angel falls to the floor, and Michael and Freeze sit on top of Angel, and Michael suffocates him with a sweatshirt. They then move Angel to the couch, not realizing until a few hours later that Angel has actually passed away.
0: Now, scenario two. This was, as, this is as told by Michael. There is an episode of, I don't remember the name of the particular show, but it was on AE. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have the YouTube video linked for you guys, as sure always I've seen do. I'm sure I but. Um, so he told, this is his version of events, like, on that show. So as we know, Angel shows up to the apartment demanding money. Michael talks him into waiting until later because apparently nine or ten a.m. is too early to go to somebody's house. I which, mean, if, if you've been out partying until five or six, to in the me, morning, then yes, I always have to remind myself that I'm the weird one with a weird schedule because for me, ten a.m. is like halfway through my day. Like Not the first part you're of my on day.
1: Hell, of motherfucking drugs. That's apparently. a fair <laughs> point. <laughs> who knows
0: what day it is or time doesn't matter. You yeah. Know? No, exactly. So later comes around, Angel is still pissed off at Michael when Michael's boyfriend starts to choke. Hmm. It was uh Michael said that it was a classic sign of an overdose. Like he knew exactly what was happening. Oh. Interesting. I well, would imagine he'd been doing drugs day and night. Right. Today. I was going to say this was probably not their first rodeo. So he knew that cocaine would very likely restart his heart essentially or like kickstart things. Isn't that what they do in pulp fiction it's an adrenaline oh adrenaline uh, shot but that I mean, they do in pulp fiction fair, but i was literally just going to say is
1: a, yeah a ton of fake <laughs> adrenaline.
0: i was actually literally just going to reference that scene because i was going to say it's like the same idea mm-hmm. essentially so michael asks angel for some coke and he's like hey boyfriend's I'm gonna need some cocaine angel says no I don't think he believed... Michael even said that he doesn't think that Angel believed him at first, that right. like that's what was going on, because they were just fighting about the stuff. Angel's pissed off at Michael right, right now. and to be fair... Rightly everything, so.
1: Everything Michael says, you have to take with a grain of salt, and I'm sure Angel knew that also, mm-hmm. even, I, even in his
0: drug days. Exactly, and so uh, this really checks out for me. So Angel says no, they start fighting, and then... This is when Freeze inserts himself into the fight, demanding that Angel hand over the coke. And then he goes in to talk about how he makes so much money and he won't miss this amount, you know, shit like that. Basic, like, manipulation tactics. Mm -hmm. Michael steals the coke and revives his man. Freeze and Michael, or I'm sorry, Angel, are still fighting. Still scuffling. Yes. And then uh, Michael comes back out, rejoins the fight. There is this scuffle... And then Freeze brings out the hammer. First hit, quote, wasn't that hard, more like a tap, but just made Angel more angry. Uh. The second hit made Angel a bit unsteady on his feet, but he was still fighting. Third hit caused Angel to hit the ground. Michael says that he was so high that he doesn't remember exactly how or with what, but that he started strangling Angel. He also mentioned that he didn't know if it was him or Freeze that did it, but he was pretty sure it was him. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, He said that he didn't realize that he was dead until he stopped moving.
1: Mm
0: So. Right. Same, same basic idea, but interesting... Twists. Little differences there. Um,
1: so, the third scenario... It's actually told from Frieza's handwritten confession, which you can find it's called Longhand of the Law. Yeah. Frieza's going to link the website. I thought it was very interesting cuz I, I was read like, it, yeah. what the fuck am I actually reading right now?
0: And I think it's it was always, wild. I always find it the most interesting when you can read it from their handwriting because mm-hmm. for some reason I feel like that gives it a whole different life to what you're reading. Right. It was it was interesting. For sure. Um, so, in Freeze's account, he was in his bedroom
1: with a friend when he heard the argument start between Michael and Angel. He heard the glass breaking and the fight escalating, so he, being the good friend that he was, <laughs> went to see what was going on and stopped outside the other bedroom's door. He says, at which point, quote, Michael was yelling, help me, get him off of me. He says that Michael grabbed Angel and was violently banging him against the wall. Angel was threatening... Or, I'm sorry, that was Angel grabbed Michael, I think. and was violently banging him against the wall. (laughs) And Angel was threatening Michael about the owed money. So, what does Freeze do? He grabbed the hammer out of the nearby closet, and he, quote, hit Angel over the head, trying to get him off of Michael, end quote. He also claims that he had to hit Angel twice more, because Angel was fighting back the whole time. He was allegedly still trying to go after Michael. So, in this account, Freeze was trying to protect his friend, which... My could be true. I wouldn't use a hammer to do it. That's the
0: only part of the story. Not the that's only consistent. part, but it's consistent with everything mm-hmm. else. So I def- I definitely feel like he got roped into this in a way that he probably didn't want to be. want to <laughs> or shouldn't have been.
1: Yeah. Um, Freeze did go on to say that once Angel was down, that, quote, Michael got onto his chest and was strangling him with his hands, end quote. So it was very cool. clearly Michael that
0: finished... It, if mm-hmm. you will,
1: but Freeze did have
0: a hand in it, also. For sure. <laughs> no matter what happened, we know that almost immediately Michael began to dump a cleaner or chemical of some kind down Angel's throat. In most of the stories, Draena was specifically mentioned, but I wonder if it's just one of those things where they're like, oh, like, you know how stories kind of take on a life of their own? Yep. I just wonder if it was kind of that vibe. Yep. I, Either way, doesn't really matter because it still happened. No bad. (laughs) Next, they wrapped duct tape around his face and mouth. Depending on who tells the story, they then moved Angel's body to the couch, believing him to only be unconscious and not realizing that he was dead until several many hours later. Mm. Or they knew he was dead pretty much immediately, and they decided to put Angel in the bathtub right away. It doesn't matter because either way, he ends up in the tub. There they took the time to fill the entire bathtub completely full with ice. They had to go get it and bring it up through the lobby
1: to fill the tub with ice. Yep. And nobody was like, why do you need 57,000 bags of ice? You know,
0: I think that... (laughs) I guess if you're a party promoter, like, maybe you're just having a party. I was just going to say, and also I think that, like, the bombasticness of their personalities probably led to a lot of people ignoring what they were doing true because I would like don't me into
1: the craziness <laughs> that
0: they were probably a lot of fun but in like a nightclub setting but I would not want to fucking deal with any of them in a regular day-to-day setting because they know. seemed annoying as well yeah that too you know yeah. what I mean so I wonder if that's kind of like what we're seeing is like maybe people just genuinely put on blinders when Michael Alec was doing anything right I wouldn't Better to ignore it than engage it, maybe. Yeah, don't want to give him a platform, maybe, if they didn't like what he was doing. You know what I mean? There's so many rhymes and reasons why I think that it went unnoticed or unchecked. It's,
1: it's just one of those things. I'm like, what? But why? Yeah.
0: Nobody saw this? Nobody saw like, what? 75 ba- <laughs> like pounds of ice going up. Right. However, full. Or Angel the go up
1: and not come down. Or we'll get to it later. But, right. like, there's more stuff. Then I'm like, wait, what? <laughs>
0: like, how did none of this get noticed? <laughs> so, they're filling up the bathtub with ice. Additionally, they poured Drano and baking soda on the body some more. In that episode on a and Michael said that he thinks, like, the whole Drano thing happened in the first place because he was so fixated on the potential smell. He said that he was so worried about what would happen when the body started decomposing that his only thought process was how to not, like, how to prevent that from happening. And at least that was his explanation, which in his drug-addled brain... I guess makes sense you to an extent. sense to
1: put them in the bathtub with a drain. Well, drug addicts aren't stupid. There are people that have left bodies just sit on couches and become yeah. one with the couch, and Ugh. they're not found out for years. Right, there's mummified bodies found in homes. More frequently than I would like to admit, frankly. I think
0: a big part of the issue is that they're not thinking long-term at all.
1: Yeah, no. They weren't
0: thinking. At him. all. Yeah. They were like, what's good for right now? hmm <laughs> And how. He... Michael went as far as to say that it didn't smell bad. It, quote, smelled clean, end
1: quote. That's like every crime documentary I watch. They're like, ooh, we smelled bleach. We knew that was a sign. I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. Yep. yep. <laughs> but again,
0: he was either coming off a four-day bender, or he was really fucking hot. Yeah, they, they did say Or a combination I, either, of the two. Both, yeah. So, uh, Michael and Freeze actually did
1: their best to cover up the crime they would committed, which, if they would have put this amount of, like, thinking into, like, not killing somebody, right. maybe things would be different. Um, they didn't want to involve the police initially, because they didn't want to have to get sober enough to deal with what they did. They also claimed that they didn't want to bring down the limelight with the scandal that they caused and indirectly caused people to lose their livelihood. How <laughs> noble of them. They wanted the clubs to be able to continue running. They were already under police scrutiny, and this could have brought them down completely, which didn't matter, because, hmm yep. but still, y'all, you can't sustain this kind of thinking, like well, Lou.
0: <laughs> I feel like they were just grasping at any straw.
1: Any excuse not to deal with it was what my thought was when I was reading it.
0: Michael literally admitted that he did not want to deal with it. Like, he just wanted to pretend it didn't exist. I mean, I can't say I blame you, but then there's a person dead But you also murdered somebody, so you kind of have to deal with it.
1: Uh, Despite their best efforts at ICE and Drano and whatever the hell they were doing, Angel's body began to decompose after several days. Um, The time sort of differs depending on who you talk to Mm -hmm. some say it's three to four days michael said eight to nine it it whatever it was there for a while i'm sure their concept of time was completely like flummoxed exactly so who knows um michael went to freeze and they discussed how are we gonna deal with this the smell was beginning to be noticeable at this point right like they couldn't just ignore it forever well no duh There's no amount of Bath and Body Works candles that will cover that up. Stop it. Or not. I mean, you're not wrong. Ugh. So, Michael claims that the two sat down, did a shit ton of heroin. Allegedly, it was 20 bags between the two of them. Um, and they discussed who would do what. So, at the end of this meeting of the minds, they decided to dismember Angel's body before attempting to put him somewhere undetermined as of this point. I don't think they went that far with it yet. (laughs) Nope. Freeze went to Macy's and bought two butcher knives and a cleaver. So I did tell my mom that they bought like the some weapons at Macy's, and she was like, at Macy's? At Macy's? Where else are you going to go for weapons in New York City besides Macy's? I was like... I'm trying to think, though. Like, they don't sell them at, like, CVS or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. No, I mean,
0: if you're trying to get, like, heavy-duty, like, cookware. I cleaver
1: at the bodega? Like, I don't think
0: that's you know, how that works. You know, they might. I don't know. They might lend it to you, but... I mean, <laughs> you can borrow my cleaver. I need it back, though. Ooh, for whatever you need it for. Just have it. <laughs> like a rent-a-cleaver? Mm, I'm telling you, that might be... Well, I don't want
1: dismemberments no. to occur, but... no, no, no. Um, so at any rate, Freeze gets the knives, the cleaver, he swings by the building's basement and finds a television box, so a big box, (laughs) and he heads back up to the apartment. Per the official statement, Michael agreed to do the physical dismemberment in exchange for 10 bags of heroin. You guys, this, this part. He would just get stupid high and then work on one part of the body and then just repeat the process until it was complete. Mm. Yeah. After Michael was done, the two began working on the disposal part of this. They put each leg in a separate bag, wrapped in a garbage bag, put inside of a duffel bag, which they then threw into the Hudson River at approximately 4 a.m. They put the torso and the head into the TV box after it was wrapped in a sheet. These two fucking Einsteins <laughs> put baking soda and perhaps more Drano. No one really remembers exactly. <laughs> into the box before packing it up some say they taped it shut some say they just hooked the flaps together whatever they then took the box into a cab that's the cabbie actually helped them put the box in the cab shut the trunk yeah over a box with a man's torso in it
0: could you imagine being that cab driver like x amount of time later no no I'm traumatized just reading about it. Also, sir, did it not smell?
1: Did you not see anything leaking? It,
0: it smelled clean, seriously.
1: Mm. Like, you and
0: baking soda? The look of content that she's giving me. Also, in your notes, oh. I really enjoyed how you wrote, in a fucking cab,
1: in I all I literally caps. was like, bro, come on. You couldn't, like, dolly it down the road in the middle of the night or something? You put it in a cab. I mean, at this point... No one drives in New York City, from what I've heard. Yeah. You ride in a cab or you walk where you want to go. Right, but... A cab. A yellow cab! (laughs) I'm just, like, astonished. So they then took the cab to the dump site, which was also the Hudson River, but it was a different spot, apparently, from what I read. I don't know my streets from whatever in New York City. It mentioned it was a numbered street, but I know that means nothing. Yeah. (laughs)
0: It means nothing to me. I have no reference for it, at least, but they had two different dump sites. Unfortunately, it was connected by the same body of water. Mm -hmm. So while generally speaking addicts don't make great choices they weren't really using their brains on this one so later Michael supposedly went to see a lawyer and disclosed what happened with Angel the lawyer documented all of the cuts and the bruises that Michael had however this didn't happen for until two weeks after the murder and in my opinion, this was a clear setup for a possible claim of self defense. Were he ever to be caught in or questioned? Absolutely. Yes. I also think he wanted to know what he was up against. Well, it was sort of like dipping your toe in the water, like how bad's it gonna be? Yeah. You tell me. And two you know weeks better than me. Is- a significant amount of time probably when he came down enough to be like oh fuck i better mm-hmm. cover my butt you know what i mean and then he went to the lawyer's office and he's like okay more drugs please mm-hmm. because by the end of the visit the lawyer basically gave him two options he's like turn yourself in or shut the fuck up about what happened and keep it moving in the weeks that followed michael could not stop running his mouth and, and he began- really. he was telling everybody what he did One night, even he sat down a couple of his friends at a dinner party and confessed to killing Angel. No one really reacted much, kind of like a "oh, Michael" sort of thing. Everyone kind of brushed him off and kept moving. Now I can't be for sure, but James St. James was featured in the A and E special, and he spoke a lot about his experiences with all of this, which was really interesting because he was friends with Michael. You know, like like they started this whole thing and all of this and he's even he's written a book about it and all that jazz. He talked about the night where he was sat down by Michael and he basically was like, "Hey, so like you, you know, Angel?" And James was like, "We all know Angel." Like, "Yeah, of course we do." And he's like, "Yeah, so I killed Angel." And he was just like, "All right, Michael." Oh, okay. And like kept it moving. Like this it no literally nobody even thought twice about it they just kept having dinner this emboldened michael and he began blabbing all over new york city telling anyone and everyone that would listen to him that he did in fact kill angel and the thing is that nobody believed him they all thought that he was making shit up for attention and i mean i get it we are talking about a man whose self-claimed biggest success as a promoter was a filthy mouth contest which in case you were wondering is a competition. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it totally is. Where you quote went on stage and said the raunchiest, dirtiest thing ever, and whoever shocked the audience most would win one hundred dollars for a hundred fucking dollars. Get out. Get out. Get the out. details that I read, like people went on there and they said like horrible things. They were talking about being assaulted, committing an assault, assault. Mm-hmm. like all sort of like horrific traumatic experiences that people have been through that people would clap and cheer
1: and like hoot and holler over that just makes me feel like i need to take a bath and bleach or something Honestly, myself
0: michael if i remember correctly said something like they were riveted by it which doesn't really surprise me for humanity because i mean like look at look at, look us, at where we are look at yeah. where we are and what we're doing right now but i think it's a little bit different too of the setting. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, it it really grossed me out reading about it. So it was very obvious that Michael thrived on being shocking and outrageous and causing a ruckus. And so I can see how like his friends might not have been really like put off by him saying this because they they probably genuinely did not believe it. They probably thought that oh well, Michael
1: again being crazy when Angel just left town. Yeah. Clubs are under investigation or There were so many in the plausible blank, Yeah
0: exactly there were so many mm-hmm. Plausible reasons as to why Michael was saying he did What he did and as to why Angel could have been Gone right it's just sad because Obviously we know In hindsight that's not the case Right
1: Michael however As he loved to do Took mm-hmm. shit way too fucking far When he decided to send out a party Invitation that actually referenced Angel's Murder specifically Um, Michael Musto which he was on I Love the 80s I Love the 90s such a cool color commentary guy but he also wrote for the Village Voice for like a thousand years
0: he's very involved in the whole drag and like mm -hmm. I believe he's passed away but yes he was Mm -hmm. like
1: pivotal in like the up and coming because he always wrote about it yeah he always talked about it, so it, to me, like, he's like a corner piece, if you will. He like,
0: was that fly on the wall mm-hmm. that people wanted to be, because he was there. He saw things firsthand. And he didn't have to he guess. he just looks like somebody's
1: uncle, like he that is. nice, friendly guy that yeah. I'd be like, let's have a chat, because people love to talk to him, so yeah. he would hear things that not everybody heard. He had his ear to the ground, so he... He heard a lot. He sure did. And he wrote about a lot. (laughs) He sure did. Um, He actually recalled, quote, By the time Michael sent out a party invite joking about the murder, a lot of people wanted to kill him, especially since a source was floating a rumor that the killing was much more premeditated than people were being told, end quote. What? Um, He was kind of the club kid narrator, basically. Mm -hmm. The Village Voice featured stories by Michael all the time, or about Michael all the time. Literally, that's all yeah. that people wanted to talk about. Especially, I believe the Village Voice was sort of a smaller publication. That's the way... Like a more niche kind I of... I kind of read
0: everything and took it.
1: Yeah. Um, initially, the pieces were about Michael getting fired from the limelight. He had to go to rehab, and then he was fired when he fled without finishing. This was a pretty big blow to Michael personally, and also the movement as a whole... Um, Then he reported, Michael Musto, reported on Angel going missing. On April 26, 1996, he ran a detailed piece about all of the rumors regarding Michael Alex's alleged involvement in Angel's murder. Musto didn't list any names, um, but it wasn't hard to figure out who the author was talking about. Sure wasn't. Uh, They call it a blind piece when you're talking about people and things that happen, but you're not naming names which oh, I thought was very that's interesting. interesting. That's like a, a writing thing, a, a journalist tactic, Fixy. I guess you will.
0: Okay. They said sense. it happened
1: a lot in, like, gossip columns back in the day, mm. which gossip? Yep. gossipy much. Checks out. Um, so all of this led to the New York Post running a lead story about what was going on within the club kids scene. Over the next several weeks, uh, there were multiple pieces being run regarding Angel being a missing person, many of which were flinging accusations towards Michael Alec, left, right, sideways, up and down. All over it. the place. Um, what's crazy yeah. is that during this whole time, no one actually went to the police. No one. It, Not a single person. So we're reading. we're reading this, we're gossiping it, we're going crazy, but nobody's reporting it.
0: Right, <laughs> nobody's saying anything. How weird. By this point, Angel's family is real frustrated. They are not getting any answers, nothing. His brother, Johnny, ends up traveling to the city hoping to find out what's going on. He was angry. No one seemed too concerned about the fact that Angel had been missing four months now and no one was out looking for him. Johnny went to the police. He filed a missing person report and he was basically sent on his way. Not satisfied, Johnny began hitting up all of Angel's hangout spots and eventually hears about the rumors regarding Michael and Angel for himself. Johnny contacts James St. James, which is when things became a bit more real for everyone within the the scene. James said something about how like in the beginning of everything, the beginning of the rumors, Michael quote unquote confessing that they were kind of looking as like Michael as a murderer versus Angel as a victim. And that meeting Johnny made him realize that there was a real person that was hurt in the situation, that this wasn't all about Michael. Mm -hmm. You guys are so self-centered.
1: Goodness
0: gracious. Narcissists abound.
1: So uh, this brings us to the summer of 1996. Michael still hadn't been questioned about Angel's disappearance. It seemed that police were primarily focused on their investigation into Peter Gation and the federal probe into the New York City nightlife, that was being conducted. The DEA actually went after Gation and ended up arresting him for distribution. Within a couple of weeks after the arrest, D- DEA agents, blah, blah,
0: D-E-A agents like... <laughs> yeah
1: show up on Michael's doorstep. Now, he sure was worried that they were there about the murder, but... Instead, they surprisingly ignored all the drugs that Michael and his friend were doing at the time they walked in, and only asked questions about Gation and Michael's roommate, Brooke. At some point, things became a little more conversational, according to Michael. He said that the agents let him know that they knew about Angel's murder, but they were going to look the other way. It seemed like the feds knew about Michael's open secret before the state did, which pisses me the fuck off. and Honestly. makes me want to flip a table over. Um, It also seemed as if they wanted to keep it that way. Rude. Which is even more rude, yes. (laughs) They needed Michael to be a reliable witness, and a murder investigation would just muck that right up. (gasps) By the time summer ended, it seemed as if
0: there wouldn't be any justice for Angel, at least not anytime soon. I get so frustrated in situations like this. A perfect example is the Ken and Barbie case. Yep. Like, needing somebody to be a witness against somebody else does not excuse their poor actions. Oh, my God. It's so frustrating. She's evil also. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like her husband. Right. And in, like, this situation, Michael... I have my own theory about Michael, which we'll get to at the end, but, like... He's not innocent here. Not at all. Not even
1: remotely. Like, the
0: feds probably don't even know what happened. They probably didn't care to ask questions. I it, the whole thing's so fucking frustrating. So, the press—they're painting Michael as a killer, and his latest parties were busts. There was a shift happening within the scene. Michael couldn't pull a crowd like he used to. Additionally, the mayor of New York City at the time, good old Rudy Giuliani, Blair. he implemented a quote-unquote quality of life crackdown on Manhattan's nightclubs. Between this and the mounting allegations against Michael, the club kid movement was on a swift decline. Then, on September 8th, a body washed up on the shore of the Harlem River. Everyone in the, pa- in the press was speculating. Was this Angel? Did we finally find him? Unfortunately, it was not. But, the story caught the attention of a Staten Island officer who happened to know that there was an unidentified corpse with missing body parts hanging out in the morgue. Hmm.
1: Just Island. just
0: chillin'. This made, you know, the officers go, hmm, maybe we should look into things a bit. Thanks to dental records, police were able to make a positive identification and on November 2nd, they announced that police had officially found the missing club kid Angel. Turns out that the body was found in April. April. <laughs> this was September, you guys. Body was found in April by a group of children. And the police were just sitting on this body for almost a year. I guess James C. James said that he was explained that it was a difference of boroughs, and that they, so like Staten Island is in one borough, whereas Manhattan is the other borough. Supposedly,
1: New York City is like several different states, right. and nobody talks to the other ones, and or he, they didn't used
0: to. He literally was like, how do you not share the fact that you have a torso, <laughs> like, just chilling in your morgue. He's yeah. like, this is absurd. Which he's right. He's right. It is like, absurd. Like, it's crazy to me. And also, uh, apparently, an, the ME mislabeled the corpse as an Asian male. Hmm. So... I mean, I suppose in the water and...
1: Right. People itch- make mistakes. Ha- it's just
0: itch- unfortunate itch- when they have consequences, like, not being able to mm-hmm. find that somebody... Who's been missing for months was actually, in fact, has been has done this been entire found, time. Yeah. So, this discovery meant that everyone was learning that all of the crazy shit that's been rumored about Angel's death was, in fact, true. They've heard all the things the Draino, the dismemberment, all of the shit that Michael happened. Michael was not. He was telling every... He he, literally was like, hey, I did this really heinous thing. And
1: he went into great detail (laughs) at dinner
0: parties, uh, and then they just
1: do another line and, like, go back to whatever they were doing. Literally that.
0: What? Unfortunately, well, I guess not unfortunately, fortunately, (laughs) in this instance, the police could no longer ignore... About fucking time. ...this situation, and Michael was not going to be able to just talk his way out of it. So... Soon after Angel's body is discovered,
1: Michael flees the state because, of course, he doesn't want to face reality still, and yet he goes to a New Jersey hotel and hides there with his boyfriend. On December 4th, 1996, however, a warrant for Michael's arrest is issued. Police also have one for his accomplice, Freeze. The two were found the next day and are promptly arrested. Fries confessed almost immediately, wanting to relieve himself of the guilt that he'd been carrying, which you can tell when I was looking at the, his long hand of the law. Yeah. The writing started out like cramped and frenzied at the beginning, but towards the end, you could see it was like normal handwriting normal down print again. He calmed down a little bit. So mm-hmm. he probably felt
0: relieved. Yes, very much so. Um,
1: Michael claimed to have felt some relief as well. He said, quote. This part, guys. It's just too big a secret, too intense of an emotional burden for me to know that I had done something so terrible and that for the rest of my life, I was going to have to deal with getting away with it. I wanted to be punished for it. Get the fuck out of here, In Michael quote. Alec. Get You're only saying out. that because you got caught,
0: I feel, but... You know what? Honestly, I Whatever be-
1: narrative helps you.
0: I believed him when he said this because I feel like this is just another moment for the attention to be on him. I don't think it had anything to do with, like, relieving his guilt. Maybe it was. Maybe he knew he wouldn't be stopped until he was caught. Yeah. Like, maybe... I don't know. Maybe he knew something we didn't know.
1: Um, despite that last sentence, he entered a plea of not guilty, and then proceeded to claim that he had killed Angel only in self-defense. Yeah. Lucky for Michael, that motherfucker... Prosecutors were hesitant to charge him with first degree murder as it was because Gation's trial was still on the docket, therefore, they still needed/slash wanted Michael's testimony in that case. Makes me want to flip tables. So, Michael was advised to try and avoid a trial. They were hoping to work out a deal.
0: So, mm-hmm.
1: which they do. <sighs> on September 10th, 1997, both Freeze and Michael plead guilty to manslaughter. And they both receive sentences of 10 to 20 years for not only killing somebody, but taking them apart, disposing of them, yeah. and then sitting on the secret for months.
0: See, I would have been <laughs> in Freeze's corner a bit more because I do feel like he was slightly less responsible for the murder itself. Well, I, I guess I take his account more seriously because yeah. Michael's had... 57 different accounts. Manslaughter felt right for him. However, I don't care for his involvement. But I mean he also he knew about it and he was an accomplice, but he didn't physically do the acts. So I think that's kind of like where the line draws for him. He didn't dismember Angel. He know, wasn't a part but of that so technically. Much heroin. <laughs> no, oh I know. Ten bags, Ugh. 20 for them to discuss it? Good God. <laughs> Full body no. chills.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> So, uh, both men receive sentences of 10 to 20 years in prison, and after all of that, all of the breaks he's been given, Michael doesn't even testify against Peter Gation. He doesn't even fucking testify. In fact, Gation ended up getting acquitted on all counts against him. Um, He did eventually have to leave the country. I think it was, like, fraud or tax... Evasion Canada was like, fuck you, bro. <laughs> but he's still been able to move back and forth because he has some sort of indigenous peoples. Kind I think he's of got like thing.
0: dual citizenship, if you will. I'm pretty
1: sure indigenous people have the rights, and I think yeah. he's got some tag like uh, that. I'm not quite sure, but I, I didn't want to go down that hole yeah. because then I would have just been more mad. <laughs> yeah, he's not. And a this good... would have been a
0: 10 hour long episode of me complaining about the that guy. <laughs> he's the worst. I don't think it's surprising to any of us that Michael had a rough go of it in prison. He found himself a target of physical violence, which I never am a fan of. I don't necessarily believe he deserved it because it was all due to his sexuality. So, there was that. He had to move prisons kind of often because of it. In 2000, he was caught using heroin. In jail! It's not that difficult. Yes, but stop. She's gonna blow a gasket, folks. At what point do you draw the line, though, with your addiction? Like, there wasn't, bro, like you said, there, there wasn't a line. Nothing, nothing was on, nothing was off the table. Bigger and more, (laughs) like, that's all I can think of. Ah. Honestly, though. Um... So, because of the heroin, he got put in solitary for a few years because he had like another dirty piss test. He did. Later they at they some found. Point. They found. Not only did they find him like using heroin, I think actively, but like his <laughs> piss tests were
1: dirty. Yeah. Like he had it on him. Like... So he
0: was in solitary for a while. Whew. Interestingly, he was still connected with some of his friends on the outside world. He would often have phone calls with James St. James. In fact, in two thousand four. He started, James started a blog called Phone Calls from a Felon. James would just post transcripts of their conversations. This only lasted about six weeks, though. I mean, that's fucking smart. Like, if you are friends with a felon. Goddamn them and their marketing, though. Why, like, they're so good at it. We need, okay, so we I need know. a drag queen to help us with Seriously. our marketing is what I'm hearing in all yes. of this. James Saint James, if there any if you're
1: listening?
0: Any drag queen out there, honestly, come hey, please be friends with us. Well
1: that <laughs> That's just been a general goal for like ever, but Right. Exactly.
0: Help me do my hair. I need it. So The phone calls from a felon only lasted about six weeks. Michael didn't want, quote, people to think he's having a grand old time, which was probably one of the first, like, good decisions he made. Finally. The one. (laughs) Just the one. In 2010, Freeze got granted parole. Uh, There wasn't a lot of information about his prison sentence, so I'm going to assume that it was just normal. I couldn't find a lot of information on him whatsoever. I did a quick Google to see. um, I think he had since passed away, but he... Like, completely removed himself from the scene after the fact. I'm pretty sure he became a teacher. Good for him. Yeah, I hope. I hope. I think he was able to live somewhat of a productive, decent life after prison. Um, Because I googled and then I was like, I can't Google anymore. There's so many players. My limit. (laughs) There's so many players in this too. Like, how many can we really follow? Um, so Michael didn't get out until May of 2014. That was after 17 years served. So almost the maximum. Yeah. He was allowed to return to New York City, but he had an 8 p.m. curfew, and he had to undergo drug testing and anger management counseling, which was all good. Uh, good things that he needed to do. Absolutely. Once he was released, I know this is going to shock everybody, (laughs) but he began giving interviews during which he expressed his desire to star in a reality TV show and work towards having an art art exhibition. Apparently
1: he'd done a lot of artwork when he had free time in prison and was not yeah. locked up in a dark cell by himself. Well, but. you know,
0: say what you want about the Club Kid movement and, and what their aesthetics were, and we have we've say this all the time because sometimes people's, like, particular drag aesthetics aren't something that we care for, but we can still respect the artistry and the creative it. mind Absolutely. behind it. So I think the same can be said for Club Kids. Mm-hmm. The creativity that just unfortunately got overridden by the drugs it was
1: just overwhelmed yeah by the it's drug so abuse. it's really and sad then,
0: and then this. it's so sad to think about it like so many so many really talented people unfortunately went down a really bad road because of all of this but that wasn't going to stop michael he had many former friends of his helping him kind of acclimate to the modern world you know 17 years he got out in 2014 so he went out and like went to jail in what 97 especially though that time period like you missed like, oh my god what advances
1: and cell phones
0: mm-hmm. and gps and
1: like youtube and the internet and you know what i mean literally All of the things literally like I know the internet was around. That makes me sound like an old no, person. But, but it, it wasn't, wasn't like we had computers in our pockets like we do. Exactly
0: now. that. I don't know if you found it, but I'm gonna make sure I have it. I already have the link saved for you guys. James D. James actually wrote a letter, like an open letter, to Michael talking about what he had missed and what he's gonna oh, need to no, do. I didn't read it was it. actually really interesting. Uh, I have, like I said, I'm gonna, I have the link already set aside. I have two in case the first one doesn't work for you guys. I'll just read it with you guys. Yeah, it mind. was really interesting. <laughs> Um so he had like people helping him so he must have gotten comfortable pretty quick because he released an EP the same year of his prison release the next year, he actually held events at three different galleries where his artwork was showcased. So he definitely accomplished some of the things that he had wanted to oh, yeah. since coming out of jail. And it was
1: really cool. It said it was like each invitation was a puzzle piece. Yeah. So three would all hook together, but somebody stole all of the middle ones. That's hilarious. So like to have a whole set of all three is like incredibly rare. And it's now like, a th- mm. you know, collectible kind of Even thing. Even more so now, yeah. I would imagine. Um, so, Michael actually started a comedy show on YouTube. He began collaborating with a DJ friend of his, and by 2017, he was full-on promoting parties again. He even held Zoom parties every Saturday once the pandemic was in full effect, and I don't know if you guys know this, but living right next to New York, New York was, I mean, Pennsylvania was very serious, but New York was, like, several levels above us. Yep. Yep. Like, they would send cops out if they thought you were having a get-together. Like, the whole nine yards. Yep. Like, they did not fuck around. They were not
0: fucking around.
1: Um, these were one of the first Zoom parties that actually launched, and they became super-duper successful. Unfortunately, I think between the lockdown and just life in general, um, Michael got back into drugs. And he was arrested for trespassing and smoking meth outside of the Bronx Supreme Court at 1.30 in the morning. Um, which there was, I guess, a park across the street that closed at dusk, and that's how they got him because it was nighttime and Mm. not dusk time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Also doing meth,
1: but whatever. I was going
0: to say, let's not forget about the smoking (laughs) meth part outside of the courthouse.
1: (laughs) Um, All of those legal troubles were resolved, and he was back to doing his thing for a few years. He was unfortunately found unconscious on Christmas Eve of 2020 by his ex-boyfriend at their home, Um, He was using heroin and accidentally overdosed because, again, when you're out of the game, they've added a lot of shit. Not that it was good for you, but there's a lot worse things in it now.
0: Also, his tolerance wasn't what it used to be. And I wonder if it's something like people, he he knew what he used to be able to do. So I wonder if he just went like balls to the wall that night and was like, let me get it. On Christmas. Christmas is really depressing for a lot of people. I don't. Especially surprised. during the pandemic, but... Right. Um, EMS pronounced Michael
1: Alec dead on arrival. He was 54 years old. He did have a shit ton of stuff in his system. It was a mix of fentanyl, heroin, meth, and there was one other one that was in between and heroin. I think pain, it was like fentanyl, and heroin. fentanyl or something,
0: yeah. if I remember
1: correctly. It was a designer type of... It was a stupid
0: amount yep. of things. Yep. Like,
1: it, what? Enough to take down, like, a
0: horse, let alone a human being, so... Now, one thing that I've always said about this case was that I felt like at Michael's core, he may have been a psychopath or sociopath, and that drugs just suppressed any impulses he may have felt. And I'm not really sure what exactly makes me think this. It's kind of a combination of things, both his behavior before and after his arrest, his eyeballs, the way they, like, stare into your soul when he's talking. The way he talked, even, I was sort of like... It was very, it was almost like Bundy vibes. Like, somebody who's just so aware of what they've done, who they are as a person, which is a good thing in some in some situations. And not in this respect. Not so much in this one. Y'all. So turns out i was kind of close um the man does have a person did have a personality disorder like officially diagnosed he was yeah Mm -hmm. diagnosed with something called histrionic personality disorder which i hadn't heard this before i was like
1: i've heard of a lot of shit this is not one of those
0: things so we did a super quick google search according to the cleveland clinic this is a mental health condition that's marked by unstable emotions a distorted self-image and an overwhelming desire to be noticed check check Check. Part of the reason we're going through this is because we definitely can see how this may have affected his life choices. Absolutely. So, while Michael was a killer, he he did hurt somebody. And I do believe that if he didn't do drugs, it would have just been a matter of time before he hurt somebody. True. I could also be completely wrong, and this could be what I've been picking up on. So, I think it's super interesting, which is why we're kind of capping things off with it. So... People with this disorder will often behave dramatically or inappropriately to get attention.
1: Mm-hmm. More check marks.
0: The main feature is displaying excessive superficial emotionality and sexuality to draw attention to themselves.
1: Hmm. That's literally
0: the whole club. The whole kid club kid movement, movement yeah. Oh, weird. So, these <laughs> this may also include but is not limited to feeling underappreciated or a, a depressed when they're not the center of attention. I actually Michael Alec literally said that, quote, We wanted to be adored, and we wanted it now. That In speaking in regards to the club kids.
1: That all checks out. Checks out, out, right?
0: (laughs) Astonishing how true it is. People with this disorder often have rapidly shifting and shallow emotions, a larger-than-life presence. Hmm. They use their physical appearance to draw attention to themselves. Mm -hmm. They may act inappropriately sexually inappropriately sexual with most of the people they meet Mm -hmm. they speak dramatically and express strong opinions but with few facts and details to support their opinions and they need instant gratification and they become bored or frustrated very easily what I found the most interesting about this personality (laughs) disorder though is how it can be caused so it can be genetic sure childhood trauma checks out like most things this could also be due to parenting styles Like, ones that have a lack of boundaries, or they're overindulgent, they're not consistent with, like, discipline and boundaries. Also, parents who display dramatic and erratic behavior. Isn't that crazy? fucking wild.
1: I did, like, the briefest of searches into this disorder, and I was like, ooh, Michael Alec
0: literally checks all of the mm -hmm. boxes. And I didn't know about this until I saw her research, and literally when we were just discussing the case back and forth, I told her, I was like, I feel like it was only a matter of time before Alec did something, Mm -hmm. and turns out I was kind of on track, so pshh. High five for for me. (laughs) Drugs are a hell of a drug, y'all. It'll fuck you up. It really will. Especially if you're
1: very towing the line with, you know, sanity and normalcy and all
0: that. You know what I mean? I think being ostracized by society in and of itself can really do a number on one's mindset. And I think that we're seeing a lot of... You know, people today will, are so quick to be like, everyone's so easily offended. And it's like, well, no, people are just sick of your shit, is really well, where it is. they're just setting a
1: boundary for themselves. Yeah. And are not respecting And I it. think
0: that <laughs> what we saw maybe within the Club Kid movement, and I could be totally off base here. This is just my opinion. I think that what we saw within that movement was the result of what happens if we don't let people just, just be whoever the fuck they are without having to judge them for it. Because look at where it took these people.
1: My other thought was they were so contained yeah. when they were living in Michigan or Indiana or wherever, wherever. Yeah. and then they not only were able to be themselves, but then you added drugs into the yep. mix, and it just fanned the flames of, like, yep. not creativity, but craziness, yeah. you know what I
0: mean? absolutely. I think it just bred an insane environment. And that once you dipped your toe in, the current took you right up in that whirlpool. I don't think you could even
1: dip a toe in. It yeah. was
0: like you're all in
1: or you're not in. Very much which that. Which is terrifying. It is, yeah. All right. And on that lovely, mm-hmm. endearing, beautiful note, we're going to yes. wrap things up. <laughs> Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, thank you so we much. We appreciate it. We hope you had a great time hanging out with us, as always. We try to be entertaining while also being factual. I
0: have a great time doing it, so hopefully you guys have a good time hanging it's out true. with us.
1: Most of our laughing is not because ha murder. No. It's
0: because, like, haha bree said something funny. You know what I mean? Or, like, you guys, her I face. Had, it's hilarious. I have my own trauma and bullshit I deal with. I have developed a very dark sense of humor it's as true. a coping mechanism for it. So that's what you're seeing. Yeah, but i appreciate all of you who think i'm funny we do thanks we so much it. <laughs> um so just make sure you're following the podcast on
1: instagram and facebook at crime and spirits pod you can also find us on twitter at crime spirits pod no end if you'd like to follow us personally you can find me
0: on instagram at SuzeNotSusan. not susan i'm also on instagram i am at brie b-r-e-e underscore not the cheese we are going to work on having a better social media presence uh, now that we are, we've been doing this now for like nine or ten months, not quite close to like nine months, we've got a good handle on a schedule for this kind of stuff, so we're going to start digging into the other things, so please. We ha- we did have a whole week off to refresh and yes. reset our priorities, Absolutely, so we're going to start
1: annoying you with posts. Get
0: ready. Buckle up buttercups. I'm really socially awkward, so it's about to be real interesting. <laughs> That's true. I love sharing memes, so yes. get ready for it. Uh, And guys, if you could, pretty, 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 please head on over to Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to us on. Consider leaving us a rating and a review. It makes us feel so good and so happy on the inside that you guys care enough about it to A, listen, and B, take the time to let us know how you're feeling. And also, it helps us get out there a little bit more, which we also really appreciate. We're loving that. Oh my gosh, Yes. I love not being
1: the 47th thing that shows up. Um, it is really nice we did just get a nice review and a like from um, the Brutal Bizarre and Boozy podcast if you get a chance check them out shout out thank you guys we appreciate your
0: podcast support you literally made us jump up and down today before we started recording so thank you we appreciate it we appreciate you guys for listening if you guys have any case recommendations or something specific you want us to talk about please let us know and last but not least you guys be safe out there Make good choices. If you're out drinking, don't get behind the wheel of a car. Make sure you're being responsible. Thank you so much. We love you very, very much, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.